After years of helping online businesses make more money by advising them on their taxes and finances, I've now made it my mission to reach as many profitable online businesses as possible to help them save on their taxes and make more money. On my quest, I bring you proven and real profitable online business owners, and we dig into how they do it. Hello again, this is The Few, The Proud, The Profitable. I'm Micah Frame. This is the podcast where we talk exclusively to six and seven figure online business owners. We know that in this space, there are a lot of people who fabricate, who inflate their success, a lot of just lies and falsehoods that go on here, unfortunately. So what we do on this podcast is we talk exclusively to the people who are actually making money online. Today, we have one of those. We got my buddy, Justin Willman. Justin, thanks for being here, man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited for this. Yeah, it'll be fun. So first things first, just a couple sentences. Tell us who you are, what you do. Yeah, so like you mentioned, my name is Justin, um, and I'm an owner of an online baseball training company, actually. And I do, do some other work with some other companies. Um, I'm partnered in a golf company and a yoga company as yeah. well. And um, I help some local brick and mortar uh, companies with their marketing as well. So um, really in tune with, you know, I, I didn't have any money when I started this, so I'm really in tune. I, I couldn't afford to, you know, hire other people. Um, hire things out to other people or anything. So I'm in tune with pretty much every aspect of the business from, you know, writing copy to, you know, even designing graphics and designing pages and editing videos and making content and all that kind of stuff. So I've experienced quite a bit. uh, I've learned quite a bit. And, you know, I love in the baseball business, sharing what I've picked up along the way with players. And then with the online business side of things and marketing and stuff. Again, that's an area where I love to learn things and I love to pass that knowledge on to, uh, to other people as well. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. Yeah. And that's the cool thing too, about your experience and what most people should do is where we see people get in a lot of trouble is when they're trying to sell things in their business where they haven't done it personally. Mm -hmm. We run into people where they're doing SEO, but, they're not actually SEO experts at all. They just have some guy in Sri Lanka or Ukraine or somewhere who's doing it. But that leaves this huge liability in your business when even if you're not the one writing the emails as you scale, even if you're not the one who's building the funnels anymore, even if you're not the one who's doing those things, having that expertise and familiarity is huge. Oh, absolutely. Not yeah, only- I think another thing too that's really benefited you know us and i say you know us as myself and my business partners and things like that is we have um you know a variety of different industries that we've worked with as well and so i think it's easy to say you know that one form of marketing works or whatever and people tend to think that it's it's their way or the highway and they've got this thing completely figured out whether it's facebook ads or um you know youtube or you know some other form of uh, generating you know organic traffic whatever it may be somebody thinks that they have like the magic touch and you might think that but it might be just the magic touch for your particular industry and i feel we can see what works across industries and you know obviously if it works across a variety of industries uh, it can kind of become fundamental at that point and so um, that's always nice too just having a bunch of different businesses to see what works not just in one thing but across the board right well that's what's always funny too is when you see all these internet marketers and it's like you said it's whatever they're doing that is the end all for every Mm -hmm. possible thing and it's also funny when we're talking to clients or just talking to friends of ours where they'll work with some of those people 
and they promise, oh, this funnel is going to do $2 million because it did it for this totally different industry, totally different business. The whole model is different, but they promise the results based on this one experience and this one example that they had, which mm -hmm. may or may not actually translate into what you're selling to this other guy. Right. Yeah. And it's frustrating too, because you think that in one industry, you came across something like, oh, I got an idea and it's working great in this industry. And I, I think this will crush it and everything else. And then you, you try it. You and translate it to Right. And then it doesn't work and it kind of flops and then it's back to square one. So I really think there's, um, depending on your market and, and things like that, it, um, it really has an, an influence and impact on, you know, what, what will work in terms of, you know, price points and the way you market and the way you sell and all that. There's some fundamentals across the board for sure. Yeah. But things can change market to market. Right. And that's, and that's another thing that's funny about the people who it's my way or the highway or this is the way to do it because of the fact that things do change so fast in y'all's space, mm -hmm. which is why, and Adam will talk about this a lot, having diff, when what you're talking about, having different, not only streams of income, but tr streams of traffic and different lead gen sources. Right. As we're seeing it right now with all the Facebook ads guys, people mm -hmm. who have been just destroying it with their particular model, the Facebook ad leading to a webinar or a funnel or whatever. But now that, the price per click and all that your ad spend is becoming so much more expensive to get the same reach and result. Some of these guys, if there wasn't enough margin in that offer to begin with, are really having to rethink their business model and find other lead gen sources. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you can almost think of it as like pillars, for example, and obviously you might have, you know, YouTube and Facebook and Instagram, and then you might have Facebook ads and Google ads, and you can look at all those as pillars. And I think, you know, in every industry, you're going to find one thing might be working better for you yeah. um, than another in terms of generating leads and making sales and stuff. And so I think it's a balance between you have to double down on what's working. You know, yeah. you don't just want to diversify for the sake of doing it. Um, you, you need to double down and do more of what's working and less of what isn't. But it's a it's a risky game you're playing if you just focus on Nope, I'm strictly a YouTube guy or I'm strictly a Facebook ads guy because, yeah, one of these platforms, whether it's YouTube or Facebook or whatever, one change in their algorithm and it could wipe you out or, you know, make your business take a big hit. Get your ads account banned, get your right. account banned for some reason. Yeah, yeah, totally. So just for a little brag on you, how many subs do you have on, on your main channel right now? I know you've got the partners with the the golf mm -hmm. and with the yoga business, but for yours specifically, you've got a huge following. Yeah. Just shy of 200,000 YouTube subscribers. So we'll hit 200,000 here, uh, hopefully real soon in the next couple of weeks, I'd say. Um, and then Facebook and Instagram is about the same size on both of those platforms. Cool. Awesome. All right. So question number two, what's the best thing about having a profitable online business? That's a good question. You know, I think, um, the biggest thing is probably the most obvious one. Everyone talks about like the freedom yeah. that it can potentially provide you. So I think that that's obviously a huge plus, you know, you can work um, from where you want with who you want. You can work the hours that you want, set your own schedule, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's kind of a double-edged sword too, from time to time. 
because you know, a lot of people uh, that have regular nine to five jobs will come to me and say, oh man, if I could work from home, I'd just be, you know, watching TV and in my PJs all day. And it's like, it, it can oh, happen sometimes. That's exactly, that's exactly why you don't work from home because you have to be disciplined. You have to, nobody's telling me you have to do this at this particular time or on this day. So you really have to be a self-starter and be disciplined. So there's, there's pros and cons to it, but yeah, yeah I'd say that the freedom's huge. Um, and then another big thing is, um, you know, just being able to, I guess, leverage your time by using the internet. Uh, and really in today's day and age, you can reach an unlimited amount of people. You know, I can have my website or my YouTube channel, for exact, uh, for example, um, you know, I can have a thousand players at one time watching one of my training videos and how long would it take me to impact a thousand players in person? I might be able to do five lessons a day, for example. Um, but with those five lessons, I'm limited on the amount of people I can, you know, impact and also limited on the amount of money that I can make, uh, because I'm really trading my time for money at that point. And so I think that, yeah, the freedom and then just being able to, leverage what you're doing and reach uh, a wider audience. That's probably my yeah. favorite part. Well, to the first point, absolutely. Because I have, we've got retail clients and they do well, they've got good businesses, but they either have to hire a bunch of employees or some of them are working seven days a week because they just are having staff issues or budgetary constraints to where they're there all not only working a ton because most online business owners still work a lot of hours. There's still a lot of work that has to be done, but when you do it and how you do it, you've got all that flexibility versus the store opens at eight and it closes at 10 and right. you're responsible for staffing. But yeah, to the second point as well, it, um, just what you're saying about, there's no way that you could reach the number of people and make the money you make with, you could do it theoretically, but not without this huge capital investment. Right. Because for you, you're able to do it with, you've got obviously expenses, but a lot of ingenuity, a good, a lap and a laptop and some basic right. equipment. If you do it right, the required capital investment at the, at the starting point, the baseline is pretty de minimis. Right. You wanted to reach a thousand players locally. I don't even know how many people you'd have to be hiring and what sort of facilities you'd have to be running out to do that. Yeah, it'd be a lot. No, I was hooked on it though. The whole idea of an online business, the very first time that I went to sleep and I woke up and I checked my account and I realized that I made yeah. money while I was sleeping. Right. That's a really cool feeling. You know? Yeah. hundred percent. All right, cool. Well, number three, and this is one of the things that we deal with a lot with our clients in the tax business is we hear from online business owners that, and we see it, not only hear it, that cash flow can be a huge issue because y'all have your cash flow is very different than it would be for a brick and mortar business, good and bad. So, how do you manage that? Well, I think a few different things. Um, the first thing, it would kind of be along the same lines of what you do um, with your personal finances. I would obviously always recommend having some type of an emergency fund mm -hmm. and I wouldn't be extremely strict on, you know, you need exactly three months or six months or a year. Um, but at least having some form of cushion to where, you know, a great example is 
Um, I, in the month of, I want to say March or April spent significantly more, um, on Facebook ads than I typically do. And so there was, you know, obviously more money coming in, making more sales yeah. and reaching more people because of that. But also, you know, I had a, some pretty hefty American express, you know, bills yeah. come out. And so I think that having that cushion there to where, um, you know, if you test something with your marketing and it flops, for example, and you lose a bunch of money or, you know, sales are just slow for whatever reason, or, you know, things come up just like in your personal life with, you know, the car, something going wrong with the car and, you know, unexpected expenses that happens in business too. So I'd say for sure, having, um, some type of emergency fund is huge and just for your, your peace of mind as well. Yeah. Um, Obviously, I know it's basic, but keeping your uh, business and your personal accounts separate, I think yeah. that's huge and that helps. I know you a lot. Um, you'd, be, you'd be shocked how many people don't do it. And not only little startups, but people who have been operating profitably for years have it just inter intermingled completely. And there's no way to easily separate what's what in that situation. Right. And that makes it tough. And then... You know, another piece of advice um, is I would try your best to figure out and keep track of uh, your trends year to year. Mm -hmm. And so what I mean by that is I think pretty much every business out there is going to have some type of uh, a trend. For example, has to, yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so for me in the baseball business, obviously in baseball season, I'm going to have more baseball players interested in baseball training as opposed to uh, you know, in the off season, there's still dedicated players who want to get better in the off season stuff, but a lot of them play in other sports and it's not on their mind. Right. Mm -hmm. And so in baseball, I know, okay, these months when it's actually baseball season, I'm probably going to have a little bit of an uptick. And then the other months, the off season months, it, it might go the opposite direction. And so I think that that's important. And again, you can do it in every business. You can, if you have an automotive shop, I have a buddy who his dad owns an automotive shop. He always tells me that they're slammed on the two extremes when it's really hot outside and when it's really cold outside, that's when car parts break. Okay. And so he knows, you know, in the middle of the summer, they're probably going to be pretty busy and in the middle of the winter, but then, you know, fall time and maybe spring, they're not going to be as, as busy. And so I think that just it's tough your first year in business, but as you start, you know, going, you're going to notice what months are booming and what months are slower. And then you can kind of adjust accordingly. So I think that's yeah, been, yeah, hundred percent. Cause just that goes to tracking. Right. And that's what we always say. That's one of the biggest differentiating factors that we see from businesses who are successful to the ones who aren't are people who are tracking what's going on because well, sometimes we'll ask very basic questions. What's your profit margin on this? What's the seasonality of your sales like you're talking about? Mm -hmm. what, what's your most profit, you know, what's your best lead gen source? What are your most profitable types of customers? Anything like that. And the people who are doing well know those numbers down pat. Right. They know what to expect in terms of their cash flow, anything like that. And then the ones who seem to kind of stall out, who can still remain in business, but don't really ascend particularly are the ones who are just chilling out and they they're, they're using their balance in their bank account as the barometer for how the business is doing. Right. Yeah. I think it's absolutely critical for you to know your numbers. Otherwise it's almost like you're just, you know, you're guessing at that point. And sure. to go along with that, the, the last point that I would make on that is do yourself a favor and just get a great CPA who actually understands online business. Because I think there's, 
Uh, well, number one, there's a lot of business owners out there who just think of taxes and CPAs as kind of like an, an expense that they don't really want to want to pay. And you need to look at it as they're one of your greatest assets, truly, because they're they're a wise investment. They're not just an expense. They'll help you, um, you know, keep things in order, number one, but help you avoid making mistakes and they'll make you money in, in the long run. And there's, you know, there's CPAs who have been around for a, a long time, some, some older CPAs who don't really have a clue about online business because that wasn't around when they first got started. And so I think that not only find yourself a CPA who understands, um, you know, business as a whole, but really what we're doing in the online space. If you can find someone like yourself, for example, um, I think that that's, absolutely critical for any online business owner. And I think that it's truly an asset and it's an investment in your business. It's not, you know, an expense. Yeah. Well, thanks for the plug there. And yeah, to give sure. I think it's on, important, you know? Well, yeah, because, and again, that's what we market towards and that's really what we specialize in is online businesses. And the reason that started was when we would pick up new online business clients, we'd hear the same thing every single time that, Oh, I'm so glad you actually understand what my business is. My right. last account had no idea what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And if you don't understand the business, ultimately you don't understand the financials and you can't give good tax advice. Right. Yeah. And it's nothing against them for not knowing what an online business is or what it's about. I get a ton of people who ask me, so, you know, if you're at a whatever function people ask you, you know, what do you do? And when I mention online business there, there's a, I mean, I'd say a large majority of the people. It's nebulous are, sounding. Yeah. It's like, well, what is, uh, what do you mean by an online business? Explain to me how that works. And so it's, it's a great conversation starter, but the majority of people, including CPAs don't really understand the ins and outs of it. So, and we don't, it's not just the tax side and what we deal with, but we run into the same thing when we're trying to get insurance policies. I was just going to say that. Yeah. We, yep. we really have struggled finding agents who understand what's going, what's going on. Um, same with attorneys. We've when, and again, I'm not an insurance guy or an attorney, but we, we touch enough of everything that we're kind of involved in the decision-making process. And it'll be crazy when you look over the contracts that will get drawn up that it's just yeah. clear that this guy's a good attorney but just the verbiage that's used, the description of the business, all this stuff that they don't have a clue of what's really going on. Mm -hmm. And then you see the same thing with these insurance policies. Assume, assuming the people, by the way, even have insurance policies. You'd be right. shocked how many people in this space just are you know, flying commando right now, mm -hmm. just thinking that they can't be sued or their LLC covers it. But right. if they do have a policy, a lot of times they'll have this coverage that just does not at all match what the business activity is. And then there are all these things that I'm not sure that they'd be sued for. I'm not sure they have a liability, but activities that they have in the business are not covered or described. And it really makes you question if they're going to have an issue if and when a problem arises. Yeah. So yeah. any sort of professional, any sort of advice, you want someone who understands what you actually do. Absolutely. And aside from just understanding what you do in, in the online business space, another huge advantage is, you know, if you're my CPA, which you are, and, you know, you're working with other online business owners, and I have a question being an online business owner about 
man, I'm relying a lot on organic traffic right now. I need someone to run Facebook ads for me or Google ads for me. I could possibly come to you yeah. and you might know someone, you might be able to refer me to this guy for this and this guy for this. And, oh, you need a video editor? This guy here is great. You might have a lot of those connections and it'd be as easy as me getting in touch with you. And then boom, all of a sudden I've got that solution. Right. Instead of if I'm with, you know, a CPA who doesn't really understand uh, online business at all, they're going to have no clue about what are Facebook ads. You know what I mean? So that's another thing too, is just the, the connections that are kind of built in there. Yeah, completely. Because I'm not going to be, I'm not an expert on what the Facebook ads, you know, the right. trends on that or any of that stuff. But just by consulting with our clients and dealing with them on their stuff, how are things going? You're discussing the reality of what the business is. We are, we do have more of a tactile feeling, a pulse on where the industry is going and what's actually happening in it versus someone who might have you as a client. And even if they do understand what you do, the changes in the industry on the whole, they're just being completely left in the past in terms of their knowledge base. Right. Yeah. I completely agree. Okay. All right. Sweet. So number four, in a couple of minutes, just give us your tip that you think every online business owner should know. Well, I would say a big thing that probably took me too long to learn was I would say try your best to focus the majority of your time on revenue generating activities. Yeah. Um, I think, and I'm still guilty of this every single week and it's something I'm constantly trying to improve. Um, but I like to plan out my weeks on, on typically Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening. And so if you do something similar, which I, I recommend if you're not doing it, you know, just go through, what do I have going on with my personal life this week? And then, you know, business, what, what ask yourself, not, you know, what do I want to do or what are my to do's, but what has to happen this week in order to get me one step closer to my goals and, and yeah. think about almost like outcome based, not just the, all the list of things that you have to do, but what outcomes do you want to achieve? You know, imagine a week forward. Okay. I'm, I'm planning uh, the following week. Now I'm fast forwarding to this upcoming Sunday. At that point, what would I be proud of accomplishing this week and ask yourself that and really, um, you know, get serious with yourself about what, truly moves the needle in your business. Mm -hmm. um, things like answering emails. You know, I still answer emails, not all of them. I have a great customer support team yeah. now, um, do a great job, but there's still some emails that I have to answer myself. That's not really a revenue generating activity for me. And so you're not going to completely get away from, you know, uh, emails and other things that might not really move the needle much, but just try your best to, you know, don't be checking your email all day, every day, check it in the morning or in the afternoon or whatever, check it once or twice if you need to, but you know, designate a time for that and try to knock it out as quickly as you can and spend the majority of your time on things that, you know, really move the needle. Um, yeah. so I think that that's absolutely critical. Well, you should only be doing things in your business that only you can do. Right. And, and that's where I think it gets hard for people initially because starting out, you've got nothing but time and you have no budget. Mm -hmm. So you have to do every single thing. But as you get busier and busier, that the balance starts to, to shift. And it's hard for people to relinquish that. But at the point when you're at capacity, you need to offload those non-value acti added activities Mm -hmm. And only focus on the things that are unique to 
what is something that nobody else can do in the business? Right. You, it's just basically looking at all the activities and the positions you have in the company and, okay, I can hire this workout for 10 bucks an hour and this workout for 15 bucks an hour. And based on how easy, how rudimentary the task is, just start slowly offloading those to other people to where hopefully at the end, like you said, you can never get away from it completely. Right. But you're mostly only doing the things that only you can do, which like you're saying are revenue generating activities. If right. You, if you're stuck doing things that are administrative, you've really messed up in mm. terms of how you've ranked the importance of the stuff you do in your business. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it depends what stage you're at in business. Yeah. You know, if you have several employees, um, there's no reason for you or there's reason for you to do the administrative stuff very, very minimum amount of time, but really you should get away from that and you should focus on just the revenue generating stuff. But when you're starting out, like I didn't have the money to hire anybody to do anything. I couldn't outsource anything when I first got going. Yeah. I think that's how most people start. Um, <clears throat> and so I think at that point, Again, it's not about like not answering your emails because that's that's bad business. You know, I think you should get back to people and all that kind of stuff. But it's just getting real with yourself on, you know, what actually produces revenue for the company and what when I'm spending time doing it, I'm really just messing around and kind of playing business, you know, yeah. because it's, it's easy for you to, for example, a revenue generating activity for myself is writing emails not responding to emails, customer support tickets, but writing emails that are going to be sent out to my list because that's how I drive people to my mm -hmm. site and make sales. I'm sure a lot of people listening, you know, can relate. Um, and so long story short, I just think that, um, you know, you need to, uh, those, those, those minimal tasks, those administrative things, you might have to actually do them yourself in the beginning, but don't, convince yourself that I can spend, you know, three hours in the morning responding to customer support tickets and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm crushing it for the day and I'm moving the business forward. Yeah. You're not, you know, so I think it's just important to distinguish it in your mind, like writing emails to my list, that's producing revenue. That's generating income for me. That's banging the cash register, you know, but just responding to customer support tickets, I might have to do it, but I'm going to knock it out so I can focus on what matters. Yeah. Well, and when you said playing business, that, that reminds me, I think there are some people too who even fool themselves into thinking certain activities are revenue generating when they're not. Right. There are mm -hmm. some people that I know where they're on calls eight hours a day, 10 hours a day, not with clients though. I think that they fool, they think, Oh man, I'm really busy because they're hopping on calls and just talking to people. And right. some of those may eventually lead to something. And some of those are value added, but other people, I've, they wanted to talk to me about something. So I'll hop on a call and at the end, I'm like, was there any purpose to that? Aside from them wanting to hop on this call. Like, and it, I right. think some people will fool themselves into thinking, okay, I, I'm very businessy. I'm, I'm very busy because I just talk to people on the phone for 10 hours a day, mm -hmm. which some people do that. And that does lead to revenue. It does actually lead to something. But I think we can also fool ourselves into sort of hobby type activities, deluding ourselves into thinking that that's real business. Absolutely. Yeah. People think they confuse just activity and being busy yeah. with productive action. It's kind of like, you know, I'm in Colorado, you're in Virginia. And if I were to take a road trip down to you right now, 
It's like, I can be busy and I can be driving all night long, but I can be driving the opposite direction, you know, towards California, not towards you. And it's like, I was, I was busy, but certainly wasn't productive and getting close to my goal. And I think it's the exact same thing. Yeah, completely. All right. Awesome. So last question, number five is what's the, it's one of two things, or you can do both. It's what's the craziest thing you've seen sold online or what's the craziest tactic you've seen to sell something online? Um, you know, I don't know about the craziest thing that I've seen sold online, but tactics, I guess it's something that, you know, a lot of people can probably relate to. They've probably been pitched this way before. I think it's a big mistake when people, and I don't know who's, you know, given this advice out there or whatever, but, um, a lot of people will just direct message me, whether it's on Instagram or Facebook, they'll add me as a friend and, you know, on Facebook, let's say, and 30 minutes later, they'll message me. And it's like before ever establishing a relationship or before anything, yeah, before helping me at all first, um, they just immediately start pitching me like their products and services, which I may or may not even need in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's so important to not do that, you know, and provide, I'm a big believer in providing uh, <laughs> helpful content up front. I mean, that's why like in the baseball business, 95% of the stuff that we put out there is free. It's, mm-hmm. it's YouTube videos and social media content with the goal of actually helping people. And even if, you know, you never purchase a product from us ever, uh, hopefully just by following or subscribing to us, um, you know, you, you improve your, your game, you improve your skills. And I think it should be that way um, in every industry. I mean, it's certain industries, it's easier to do than, than others. But if you just meet someone today and start pitching them on, you know, what you can do for them today, I think that's kind of the, the wrong way to go about it. Try to, you know, truly build a relationship and care about people and try to actually help them. And when you actually help them, uh, get, even if it's just an inch closer to their goals, you're actually able to help them making the sale is 10 times easier. Well, I think people need to imagine it as if it was an in-person interaction. Right. Because if you meet somebody and you say, don't even say hello, don't say anything, and you just immediately go into this tirade, this huge message, how bizarre would that be not to have, even if obviously so many of us do business online, that, yeah, people know that that's why you're here. That's why you're reaching out. It's not just because you want to be buddies, but there's a difference between establishing a relationship, providing value, all that stuff versus just launching right into this right bizarre speech. I've had it before. Same thing you have. I'm sure where people add me or sometimes I have them in the first message. It's like, Hey, sometimes I don't even use your name. Let's give them both of it out. They say, Hey, Micah. And then it's just, this two-page thing of all they do or they might even try to you know they they thinly veil it so i say what what's new in your world like nothing much buddy how about you well and then it's like come on has this ever worked for you i know what sort of success rate can you possibly have doing that yeah and if you're having a little bit of success doing it that way, try it the other way and see what the results are. Exactly. Maybe your product is really good. And despite how horrific your sales process is, it's overcoming it. 
And I'm not saying, I mean, totally connect with people and add people as friends. And it's great to build relationships and, and connect with people. And I'm not against selling by any means. I think yeah. that nothing really happens until a, a sale gets made. And obviously you have to pay the bills and you can't give away everything for free. That's just mm -hmm. the way that life works. Uh, but just coming from this place of I'm going to add you and, you know, DM you and jam something down your throat. It's just not going to be the most effective way to make a sale and it's not going to be cool to people. It's not going to help them in any way and you're not going to get a good uh, reputation by doing that. So yeah, I would just avoid that. yeah, completely. All right. Awesome, man. Thanks so much for being here for anyone who's watching and wants to get in touch with you. What's your website? What's the best way for them to get in contact? Um, yeah, I would say just, probably through the baseball business. Uh, my website yeah. is ultimatebaseballtraining.com and we're Ultimate Baseball Training on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, you can shoot me an email, justin at ultimatebaseballtraining.com. That's probably the best way to get a hold of me. Okay, awesome. Again, thanks so much for being here, man. Yeah, this is fun. Yeah, it's awesome. So to anyone watching, thanks so much for being here on The Few, The Proud, The Profitable. We'll catch y'all next time.